The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. going right okay cool what's up everybody um hope everything is well with you all thank you for tuning in i am super excited about this particular episode i am i first of all i want you all to be aware that it is trans awareness week and november 20th is um our Remembrance Day for trans people and I just wanted to offer this space and this opportunity to you know highlight um, signal boost black trans women because it's very important because they are part of our community as well and we can't leave them behind so I wanted to highlight and talk about it because it is very disheartening and upsetting at the amount of black trans women that are murdered that we see in the news and they are usually murdered unfortunately by the hands of men and transphobic people and it's not fair um the life expectancy for black trans women is 30 and that's a very short life when you think of it and it is very unfortunate so this particular episode not only are we going to highlight black trans women and creatives but I want us I want you all that are listening to walk away from this episode being mindful on your perception and how you treat others you know I want people to listen to this podcast episode and really think about how they treat others and how they can improve how they treat others not just yourself but others around you you know if your friends are being trash I want you to check them check them because those type of rhetoric leads to violence and black trans women and we have to stop that that has to come we have to acknowledge our part in it whether you're being active in the violence or complacent to the violence so I just want to reiterate that black trans women matter their lives matter and I am holding space for them so I want you all to meet our we're going to be talking about the comic swipe left <clears throat> swipe left is a webtoon comic by Tali Economy and she is a black trans woman living on the west coast or I guess I could say Washington I don't know if they consider themselves west coast I think they consider themselves uh uh what they call it pacific northwest or something like that (laughs) they don't consider themselves west coast but um she is going to be talking to us so we're going to be talking about her art her comic um in this episode if you look in the notes you will see a link to the shopify store because we got some goods for y'all so i want you all to you know support trans women by supporting um tolly's goods that's going to be in a store on a fabulous store because the proceeds of the goods are going to a really really good cause so 
Thank you for tuning in. Thank you everyone who supports me on Patreon. Your love go does not go unnoticed. And because of y'all, this podcast is still running. So I appreciate you and love you all. So enjoy this episode. And you know what I'm saying? Hit me up. Bye. Later. Hey, everybody. It is almost turkey day. And I am so excited that you all are tuned in this week. Um, I have a special guest. I want to introduce you all to Tali. Hi, Tali. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Don't be shy. (laughs) (laughs) Recovering from a a little bit of a a cold, but, you know, just feeling it out, feeling it out. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Polly. Okay, so we are going to talk to Tali because Tali has this really cool comic, this webtoon out called Swipe Left, and we're going to talk about whole bunch of conversations so i want everybody that's listening to be very included in this conversation i hope people learn a lot after this conversation is over and um take away some things that they will keep with them moving forward so let's Let's go into the fun stuff. Let's talk about your web comic, Swipe Left. It sounds like a dating comic. It, it, it is. It's, uh, it's, I guess it's less about uh, the dating and more about the relationship part. Um, uh, and for those who don't know, um, I am a, a trans artist. I use um, she, they pronouns. Um, and uh, as a trans artist, I, especially as a black trans artist, I don't see a lot of representation for uh, black trans people, especially black trans women, um, a lot of the narratives, like, within the trans community is centered around um, black trans women, like, how we get murdered, all these other things, but how important central we are to the movement, but you don't see a lot of representation of us within other forms of media. Um, there are a lot of webcomics out there that are about trans women, um, but not specifically black trans women and what that experience, especially when trying to find love and trying to navigate relationships with like white people and black men and all of that and what that looks like. And I wanted to have that representation out there. Okay. Now, visually, for people who haven't seen it yet, I've seen it, and it gives me a little bit of, like, the universe feel to it like it's very colorful it feels very moody with the color palette you choose is there a reason like what kind of mood do you be in when you're like creating and what what inspired you to create the characters that you have created like what is your artistic um inspiration so um, I guess my uh, my artistic inspiration is um, there's several artists that I absolutely love the work that they do. Um, there's a, a black woman named GDB. I'm sure some people have seen her work. She works a lot in color, especially when she does a lot of black women, and she mm-hmm. uh, does it in a lot of color and a lot of, like, bright pastels and things of that assortment. Um, and also uh, she's, not a, she's not a black woman. She's not a queer woman. Her name's Rachel Smith. She does that. Uh, the popular web comic um, Laura Olympus, and mm-hmm. um, had had heard her have a conversation once where she said she had um, didn't draw uh, in like traditional colors. Her characters are all one color because she isn't the best at coloring, and that's also my weakness. But I tried to differentiate it by using a different set of colors and sort of giving it this um, cutout aesthetic. Um, People who look at the comic will be able to kind of tell what I'm what I'm talking about. Whether there there's this uh, feeling around being trans, there's this constant disassociation and not feeling like you're part of the world, and so a lot of the characters feel like they're cut and paste on top, um, or look like they're cut and paste on top, and it's sort of the aesthetic I go for. Um, I also really love um, the lo-fi aesthetic, sort of those pastels, those soft, cool colors. Um, and I think it's, there's a lot to be said within it. I try to use color to kind of convey where the characters are and what they're feeling. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, a lot of what kind of goes into the process of making making it. And I, um, we're, we're not too far into the comic, um, but as we go along, color 
color, color and, and how the characters are spaced on the in the comic are definitely a, a big part of you know representing what the characters are going through and what they're doing. All right, tell us about the characters, who they are, what's their name, um, yeah, and yeah. How, uh, what, what, what story, what position they play in Swipe Left. Okay, so there are two main characters, but most of the story centers around Senna. Senna is a uh, black trans woman. Um, she's been out for a while and sort of not in that phase of, like, trying to find herself in that, you know, figuring out her gender but kind of figuring out, okay, what happens next? Because a lot of web comics that have to do with trans women often focus on the, you know, figuring out your gender, what you look like, all that piece. And nobody really focuses on once you've, you know, been transitioning a while, that next step of like, okay, what happens now? Um, and a lot of it is around stuff that lots of black women, you know, deal with. Like, am I pretty enough? You know, the white beauty standards and how those affect how people see you, want to be with you. Um, and then some problems are specific to, um, like, black trans women, like, you know, around dating black men. Um, historically, black men are, you know, 80 to 90% uh, the people who murder black trans women. And so there's this dichotomy of, I love black men and I love my people, but also I have to be careful and safe myself and the level of privilege that white men have and how comfortable they are with, you know, being okay to be with you and be with you in public. You, you run into this weird thing of like feeling like you're betraying your race, but also, you know, wanting to be around black people. So you're just in a space of never feeling comfortable. And I, and Senna deals with a lot of that insecurities around the people she dates, the the way she sees herself and the way other people see her. Um, there's also Rosie, who is um, currently uh, uh, Senna's love interest. Uh, she is a Latinx a trans person. She's a very different. Um, <laughs> she's very different from Senna. Rosie's a little bit more outspoken. She's a, a lot more elastic and expressive. Um, she's what I would consider like a, a typical like trans woman like when people think of trans girls on the internet you know the cat girl with the knee high socks and the short shorts and the big jacket and you know the, the choker um, but she also has her own set of issues and problems that she's going to work through through the comic I don't want to give away <laughs> give away okay. too much but um, yeah you'll you'll definitely kind of learn that you know a lot of a lot of being trans at least from my life experience has been a lot of presenting yourself and how much of that is lies and you trying to figure yourself out. Okay. And and then there's their friend Micah. Um and Micah's just sort of like a background character. He's a he's a trans he's a trans man. Um he's kind of, you know, settled in his masculinity, kind of real happy with where he is. Um and is a really great friend um to to both Rosie and um and Senna. And it just sort of acts as their uh, wise stage friend who just kind of has his shit together and is there as a, as a sounding board for the both of them dealing with their problem. Um, and then there's um, Senna's uh, co-worker, Mike, who is a black cis man um, and is, uh, takes on the perspective of somebody who has been friends with somebody for a long time and dealing with them transitioning and has gone through that and it's in this constant state of trying to figure out what's the best way for me to be an ally and or how do I support my friend while also not being an asshole. And as of right now those are the four main characters. I feel like it's enough for the moment uh, for this first arc that we're we're working through of uh, these four people with four very different perspectives dealing with and navigating, you know, dating uh, living your life, doing in you know late stage capitalism and what that looks like, you know, as like a black man, as a, as a black woman, as you know, a Latinx person, and you know, as a as a man dealing with masculinity for for Micah. Okay, that that sounds like a very interesting world. So, how often do you publish new comic strips? Um, they get published once a week right now. Um, there's a Patreon. Um, I've made a goal that if I hit $1,000 um, through the Patreon, I'll move it up to twice a week. But right now we update every Sunday morning. Um, the okay. comp goes up. Um, there's, uh, But that's not the only drawing that goes on around that. People who subscribe to the Patreon, I do tons 
of um, sketch and concept art and other things that I'm working through. And I, for each comic, I probably go through about three or four different versions of it. Um, and a lot of those extra versions that kind of get knocked off on the cutting room floor, I share with the Patreon, the Patreon people and often make little individual comics for them to kind of enjoy um, some backstory on stuff you wouldn't get in the main story. Oh, so cute. Now, I'm glad you, in this world, it seems like you're tackling one real issue, but is there a way, in your opinion, is there a way that, like, people, specifically in this conversation, black people, could be better allies to trans people? I think at the end of the day, it's, it, it kind of fits in the same category that a lot of marginalized people are out of, like, we just want to be treated like normal people. Like, you know, me and you are black. You know, we've been, <laughs> we've lived right. our whole lives being black and have seen, like, how white people treat us and there's sort of this, we're sort of the other, this sort of alien, you know, sort of alien group of people that represent all these other ideals and that people, especially white people, project these things onto us. And the same as, as, like, being trans, especially, like, a black trans woman, just there's this, um, you know, this idea that we're an alien, that we're not normal, that we're, um, that we're somehow harmful or dangerous. And that narrative is not true. And I know it's been sort of painted throughout, you know, things like Pose. Um, there's been a lot of new representation around, like, what it is to be trans. But I, I think a lot of times a lot of those narratives are just painted specifically around the trauma that's involved with being trans and not enough mm-hmm. of, like, wh- what it is to just, like, live. So, like, to live and enjoy life is, you know, someone who goes, like, why, you know, as a, as a cis person, I said, why would somebody put themselves through all of this and, you know, all this violence and all this harm and all of this? And I, I think not enough attention is given to that, um, which is a big reason why, like, I wanted to do the comic is because I want people to see that, like, although there's a lot of hard stuff in that, that there's a lot of um, self-discovery and a lot of love in there. And it's it's stuff that everybody tackles. You know, we, you know, as, as women, you know, we struggle with, you know, our body type being good enough, fear of being lonely, fear of being enough disappointing our parents you know, going out and trying new and different things and how those things feel in our bodies. Um, and it's stuff everyone can relate to. And I think that when it comes to, like, the trans issue, I think that's a, a piece for allies always taking into account. It's like, this is this is a new culture. This is a new, not necessarily a new culture, but, like, this new culture is sort of forming on, like, the Internet around what be, what, what, what is trans culture even though trans people existed for thousands of years in different cultures and just in the current culture that we live in, trying to um, find acceptance and be sort of normalized in the same way that people are, you know, because I remember being a kid, being gay was the alien thing. Now, every fucking day, three or four celebrities come out on the internet and say goodbye or, or, or gay, and we all just sort of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense and kind of I'm waiting you know as a, as a trans elder for us to get to that point with you know trans people um, that we're in the space of being not necessarily normal but like normalize that we are just as valid as anybody else that deserves space here as anybody else um, so I think we just treat your treat your friends the way you've always treated them if you meet somebody who's trans and you want to get to know them, get to know them the same way you get to know anybody else and allow yourself to make mistakes. I think that's, for me, the most frustrating part is a lot of times people are so scared to ask questions and to make mistakes um, that they just end up to avoid doing that, just don't sort of build any sort of concrete relationships with people. Um, and you got to allow yourself to make those mistakes. You're going to get called out, and then and that's fine. I, I, I think that's where growth, growth starts is, and you making those mistakes and, and trying to do better, you know, just as much as we want, like, our white friends, you know, to get their shit together and recognize that you, you're always going to be racist, but, like, there's room for growth and that you should embrace that growth. The same goes for when dealing with any marginalized people. It's like, you don't know everything. You don't know their experience. And the only way to learn that experience is to get to know them as individuals. I agree. Now, for those who aren't aware, um, like I said, it is, um, I saw that it's Trans Awareness Week, 
And on November 20th, it's um, Trans Women Wednesday. When it comes to these awareness, like the International Awareness Days, Moms and Weeks, is it something that you actively participate on social media or it really depends on how you feel at the moment? I guess I'm asking, do you take the time out to not just celebrate yourself and your friends, but do you celebrate others vocally on social media or do you try to use that time to, like, educate more people? I'm in a unique position in that, but for me, like, um, I'm one of a trans advocate and a community organizer um, here in the Pacific Northwest, and so um, I do I do all of those things. Um, so it's a space for education. Um, it's a space for you know, because a lot of people don't know how much danger, you know, specifically Black trans women are in terms of like getting murdered this year alone. You know, twenty twenty three, twenty four trans women just in the United States um, were murdered. Um, that's two, that's two a month. That's, you know, and such a small percentage of the population, the trans population in, uh, in the United States, according to the U.S. Census since, like, 2016, makes up 0.0001% of the population. But every, people are always like, oh, it's only 23 people have died. You know, more black, more just black people have died by cops. Or it's like, but that's, you know, it's not every life that's lost should be, you know, it shouldn't be a matter of numbers. Like, it, it should always, it should always matter. Um, right. And so, you know, taking that time to educate cis people, um, educate trans people, because, you know, there's not, and not every trans person, you know, spends their days on Tumblr and Twitter, uh, <laughs> you know, and are just out there trying to live their life and don't know a lot of what's going on. Um, and so it's a, it's a week of celebrating education and um, just a moment for self-love. Um, I personally take the time to try to give some, yeah, I mean, I have the privilege of, you know, having a paying job, which is you know, rare for trans people. And I try to take the time during that week to, you know, give out some money to some GoFundMes for people trying to get surgery or battling houselessness. Um, I try to take some people out to eat. You know, I try to support people in whatever way it is they need. And here in the Pacific Northwest, it's kind of led from a celebrating not only Trans Day Remembrance or um, colloquially known as TDOR, but also to the creation of a new event called Trans Day of Needs, um, where we not only remember and celebrate the dead, but we celebrate those who are still alive and made it another year. Um, because on top of, like, the, the murder and the violence, there's also a very high suicide rate. Um, I don't know what the numbers are internationally, but I know here in the Pacific Northwest, um, something like 45% of all homeless people in, in the Pacific Northwest are identified as LGBT and a decent amount of also identified as trans. Um, and so this is a constant thing of dealing with houselessness and dealing with, you know, especially during the holidays, you know, November, December, you know, a lot of these people, you know, are separated from their families um, and don't have anywhere to go for the holidays. And that can be really hard, you know, if, you know, and there's plenty of people out there, you know, who aren't trans, but can completely sympathize with that feeling of like not being able to go home for any, for any number of reasons. I mean, it will celebrate and be with family and how much that means trans people. So it's time of year we try to give people enough energy to be able to make it through the holidays and also just let them know that they're seen and that they're loved and that their existence matters and that, you know, I guess it's for everybody, but that I'm super proud that they they made it another year because every year they're alive is another year of existence, another, another year of saying, I'm here, I exist, and in spite of everything that has been put in front of me as an obstacle that I have, that I've thrived. You know what? That, uh, that's that's that really beautiful. It does. <laughs> but I also feel like, like when it's, when it's international women's month, right? And mm-hmm. like you get, and I'm on social media and I'm like, you know, throwing out all these black, women historical facts there's always like men why you don't celebrate men's international history day or you know black history month was last month why are we doing black history again like it's always 
people who have more privilege than yourself to always try to make it seem like what you're doing is out the scope of normal when it's really not. Oh, that's just niggas being niggas. That's that's existence of being niggas. <laughs> that's just niggas being niggas. Like it's, uh, you know, it's it's always the motherfuckers who have the most who want to complain about those at the bottom trying to get peace. You know, it's, it's, so when when black men or men or anybody who's in that tight way about somebody celebrating the month to celebrate the history of somebody. They bring, especially men, and like every day, baby, every history book, every textbook, everything that is geared in this world is built for you. So every day is your day. A month of us not focusing on you as as a as a community is not going to kill you, and you'll be fine. And so when they when they complain, I don't personally feel any sort of need to justify the day to them. <laughs> um, it's just that if they're out there and I really get aggravated and I see niggas go on rants about straight pride and it's just straight pride and, uh, you know, heterophobia, whatever niggas making up these days, it just seems so exhausting. It's just, it's exhausting. Um, you know, it, it, but, but these are the things that happen. These are distractions. These are things that people do to try to distract from the issues that people are suffering. These are people trying to make an oppression that doesn't exist. You know, this, you know, these narratives that come out of things like hotels and infos saying that, you know, queer people are killing the black family or that, um, you know, the, the goal of women is to emasculate men and that there's all this, there's chemtrails making frogs gay. There's all kinds of crazy shit that straight and cis men make up to try to, you know, make it sound like they're the ones being persecuted. When that's not the the numbers, the statistics say otherwise. You know, historically it says otherwise. You open up any history book, three tenths of that, you know, not three tenths, three quarters of that is just about niggas fighting. You don't hear nothing in there about women. Nothing about queer people. They might do one paragraph, one paragraph right. about, you know, Harvey Milk or the Stonewall riots, and maybe there'll be a small section about women helping out in the battlefield in World War II. Maybe. But that whole book's about this. So when they come, they're like, well, what about me? Baby, just all this stuff for you. <laughs> you just want it off of my, you know, it's like when me and my, my husband go out and he wants fries off my plate. No, nigga, you have your own fries. Don't don't come on my plate to get my fries. You just want them because they're mine. And right. I sort of view it that way going into, like, you know, when, when people want to argue with you of, like, oh, well, what about me? Well, what about you? You have a plate. Why are you trying to get on mine? And, and, mm-hmm. and when they force to answer that question, you know, then they, they're like, well, I want what you have. Well, you already have it. It's the same thing. We have the same fries right now. You just have more of them. And you can go back for seconds. This is my only plate. Go away. <laughs> Let me ask you, who are some of your favorite trans historical figures, if you have them? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, uh, Miss Major, who's still alive. She's the last living um, trans person from the Stonewall riot. Um, she's stationed in San Francisco, um, and she is amazing. I've had the pleasure of meeting her twice. She is beautiful. She is amazing, um, and she speaks real truth. You know, if you are in the San Francisco area, or if you get a chance, go online and support her. There's not enough done for trans elders, you know, because we want to take care of the babies. You know, everybody wants the puppies, but nobody wants the older dog sort of situation where, you know, Miss Major isn't taken care of. And so she's completely taken care of by community members donating to she has a GoFundMe. She also runs a nonprofit helping black and brown trans women who are getting out of the juvenile, uh, out of the, not the juvenile, but just justice system, get back on their feet and get jobs. And she does that. And she's like 60 years, 70 years old. And she's so amazing. I, I love, I love everything about her. She speaks nothing but truth. She's everything I want to be as an elder, except more. 
Um, Marsha P. Johnson is also really great. With you know everybody who's seen Drunk History or you know has heard the name. I feel like every black person, if they force guns to their head, forced to know who a trans person is, they should at least know who Marsha P. Johnson is. Um, I think historically those are the two, the two big ones that I can think of. And then you know Laverne Cox. Um, I, I can't say enough about about her. She does such great work for the community. Um, and for a lot of people, especially during this, uh, lack of a better term, trans renaissance, um, she's a lot of people's role model in terms of coming out, what that looks like, how to live your truth, um, and all that other stuff. I was debating or writing an article about, you know, um, cis black women being complacent with homophobia and transphobia because what I find in everyday life, I find that women and um, I always center black women, so I'm talking about black women in this particular Mm -hmm. moment. Um, They'll say that, you know, they have no problem with gay people or trans people but then, you know, their husbands and boyfriends and significant others will be the most, like, uh, disgusting, homophobic and transphobic people you will ever meet and have, have the displeasure of speaking with. And I feel like if part of being an ally, I think, or being an ally and part of at least making a stance and not improving that you're not tolerant of this type of behavior is I feel it's a great, you know, injustice for cis women to continue to date and marry and fuck around with, like, homophobic and transphobic men and then on the flip side, say they are allies because you can't be both. You can't sleep with someone who spews hateful rhetoric against someone you claim that you want to protect. So I feel like until more cis black women completely um, develop a low tolerance for homophobia and queerphobia, I feel like they are just as guilty of it as well. Stop. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I, I guess for me, like, it's, oh, I think I feel like traditionally a lot of pressure is put on, like, black women to, like, sort of lead, lead, like, revolutions or set the example of, like, how to, how to act. And so I, I personally... Don't put it. I if I want them to do better, and I know they can do better. But it's also everybody else can do better. It's really black men. I I, I put more. I put I put less of an emphasis on like what black women should or shouldn't be doing, because I know that if I have a conversation with them, it's going to go one or two ways. Either they're going to listen, and they're going to you know they're going to really sit down and, and think about it, or they're going to be hard headed. They're going to argue three or four of their girls is going to collect them, and then they'll think about it again. But black men is completely different, um, it, at least for me, historically, it's been re- really different of them because for for black women, it feels like it is, or for cis black women, it feels like it's just an academic question, whereas with black men, if they make it out to be a personal attack on them. That if they find, you know, they find a, a trans woman attractive. It's not a personal attack, but I also view it the same way I view white women who say that they're not racist, but their husband is. Like, I get yeah, yeah. frustrated with that because it's like, you know, if if I'm, you know, against something completely, I can't find myself compromising that moral stance with a romantic partner. 
Yeah, no, and I'm super not agreeing with you, but in this conversation, I think that it's important to acknowledge that that labor isn't only black women's labor, but all cis people's labor. Because I, I think it's all. I'm oh, I'm not. Yes, I'm not placing yes. the blame directly on yes. black women, but I feel like you know, once you we go on a date with a nigga, right, and you're talking to yes. him and things like that, you're trying to get to know him and stuff like that. Like when you're getting to know someone, they pretty much show you who they are, and I feel because of patriarchy in a lot of ways that we tend to, you know, ignore certain things that men do because of something else they might do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah, he might be racist, but, you know, he's a loving husband, a good father, you know, he pays all the bills on time. So that there's like this compromise, this moral compromise that a lot of women do, you know, to answer their spoken for and to keep the peace in their own household. I just want women to get to a place where they don't have to do that to keep a track or have a man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, and it, and it, and it does. Um, I, I, I super, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I super, I super agree with all that. Like, I, I, I think it just comes down to like when you're when you talking to a nigger, uh, not a nigger, a nigger. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where the hard ER from. I don't know where the hard ER go. Okay, but they be the like, hard ER. Uh, hard ER. When you talking to a nigger, um, <laughs> when you talking to you sort of you, I, I don't know. For me, going into conversations with them, you know, when I when I was dating prior 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 to being married, um. Uh, I, there was pieces that were super foundational, stuff that I was like, I'm going to ask these questions, and either he's going to leave or he's going to stay. Um, you know, things like, how do you feel about police brutality? Do you believe that all white people are right? You know, especially if I'm dating a white, you know, a white man. It's like, I need to know these things because these things are central to not only my existence, but people I care about. And so I think, you know, and I know, and I know personally, you know, that it's hard, you know, some some. Problematic, most problematic niggas be fine as hell. Uh, <laughs> 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 most problematic niggas be fine as hell. Yeah, problematic uh, men be having the best dick, right? They like, they, they do, and but oh like, man, but you, you gotta ask, you know, you gotta ask yourself, which is in that moment more importantly, your values and who you are as a person, or having some other other nigga put his quote unquote values in you. You know? <laughs> 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 you, you know, and it's uh, and that's a question we all learn to deal with. And it, a lot of black women, they get older, you know, are a little bit more foundational on like what's important to them. Like they're not, they don't want to keep fucking niggas in, in sweatpants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to keep fucking niggas in sweatpants. They want, they, they know what they want. They want somebody who's driven, or they want somebody who wants you know, kids or family, or they want somebody who's going to be able to travel with you know whatever, whatever their goals are for you know their life. You know, I ask these questions. I ask these questions to you because I just interviewed a very young woman. Uh, she's like in her early twenties, early mid twenties, and um, she's going to be a future episode. And she, I feel like younger girls are a lot more confident, bolder, and responsible than I was when I was that age. Like, when I was 23 and 24, I was a hot-ass mess, like a hot mess from head to toe. I was just skinnier. And I was just, I didn't, I, I was not, I didn't have the confidence that a lot of these young girls have. You know, I didn't have, like, the, the assurance of myself. Like, these girls are, a lot of them are just doing it. I mean, some of them are hot-ass mess, but they're supposed to be because they're in their early 20s. But yeah, the girl I interviewed, yeah, but the girl I interviewed, she was just so, like, sure of herself. And, you know, I interviewed her because she wanted to be a guest on the show. 
and she was like, you know, I listen to your show, and, you know, I was like, I was like really, like, had a moment, because I'm like, young girls, listen to me, and I kind of wish that, you know, when I was her age, that I had someone who had a little bit more experience, because, you know, we're both kind of experienced, you know, we're grown, yeah. grown, and... Yeah, yeah. and I feel like you know having these conversations like there's a lot of grace because a lot of women specifically cis women don't know that they are homophobic and transphobic because it's kind of ingrained in us to be homophobic and transphobic so yeah, yeah yeah Having this conversation, you know, outside of, I guess when I say when I when I say you know, women shouldn't be dating homophobic and transphobic men. I should I should probably be more clear and say, um, men that are just openly and um, very plainly being violent, violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people, I mean, we're in a society where it's kind of like, kind of raised to be homophobic and transphobic, but if people could actually have, like you said, open their eyes and ears and take, you know, just a moment to listen to people, then it might be a possibility for them to walk away from the conversation, not just more knowledgeable, but more open to the conversation and be able to, like, unpack some things that they think they understand about people that they really don't. Yeah. I I kind of want to put that out there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things where, like, you you can't make people do better. They have to want to do better. And so, like, there's all these, there's tons of resources out there for getting getting more educated on things that, you know, not only trans people are dealing with, but LGBT people are dealing with. There's tons of, you know, issues and things that, like, in, you're in different neighborhoods that people are struggling with. Some people still can't even go to the, the same fucking bathroom, depending on what part of the United States you live in. You know, there's, there's it's, it's a point of because they have to get to that space of wanting to learn, and I think that starts with you know elders, you know, like like yourself and other people sort of setting that example. Hold on, hold on, did you just call me an elder? You are <laughs> elder. You are somebody's elder. You are you are you are grown. You a child and you have a job and you're doing things. Like it's, you're grown, you know, for lack of a better word. And like you said earlier, people are looking, people are looking up to you. And, you know, with that comes this responsibility. And, you know, not only you, but other people and people who are older than you, of if they're not acting right, of being like, here's this information, not like, you know, scolding or lecturing younger people, because that shit never works in the history of ever. But like, <laughs> it just never works in the history of ever. But just being like, Here's this information. Here's this thing that I think would be valuable, or thing that you I think that would be great for you to know about. You know, if you care about black women, if you care about black people, you know, there's there's a whole section of black people that we all just shun or have been taught to hate, and they deserve you know love too. I mean, niggas is forever talking about if we need to do this for black people, we need to do that for black people. But in that conversation, they're not including black queer women, they're not including black trans men, not including black trans women, none of those people are included in that conversation when we're talking about the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think I think it's just starting to lean in, like, because we're a completely gener- different generation. We have the internet, you know, we're, we have quote-unquote millennials now are in a space where we're the ones that are going to be older. We're the ones that are going to be the teachers. And I think in that is this responsibility. And, like, a lot of times, at least in my, in my, in my time here in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of times it's the younger people are the ones doing the teaching. And it's like, you know, working on this sort of intergenerational space of being able to teach one another. If you're a quote-unquote woke adult, you know, or elder, you know, your responsibility is to give out that information. I, I get so tired of niggas being like, Google it. 
but that's dangerous. <laughs> that's dangerous. And for me, it, it feels dangerous to just tell people to Google shit because there's some weird shit on the Internet. There's a whole section of people Erica, that believe that giraffes don't exist. And not in like a jokey way, like legitimately believe that giraffes don't exist. So I think within that, maybe not necessarily being responsible for you know giving people exact resources, but pointing them to the door to discover what information they think is value and having discussions around that. I think that's also a big thing that's missing is that there's black people aren't engaging in, in, in meaningful like conversations and debates and that, in that way of just like, we're just yelling at each other on Twitter or we're hollering at motherfuckers on the internet and ain't nobody having any real connection or real time to talk. And I think that's something needs to, something needs to be more prevalent, you know, we need to be connecting one another. We need to be talking to one another about the things that are going on and things that are important to all the intersections that are within the black community. You know, not it's not just about, you know, you know, black men getting shot. It's not just about black girls going up missing. It's about all those things as well as a lot of the tragedies that happen to black queer people and all those things give, being given more attention. You know, there's, there's, still, there's some niggas that still are, you know, caping for Detroit not having uh, foot not having clean water that needs to continue to be voiced along with there's tons of black girls missing on top of black men are statistically more jailed than any other minority on top of black court trans women are being murdered by our own people and I, and I those things all those things are in the same umbrella and aren't competing from one another for attention and I think a lot of times it kind of gets lost that everyone thinks that we're competing for attention and we're not. Agree with you 100%. Now, let's talk about our surprise. We got a surprise for everybody, right? Yes, we do. (laughs) So, (laughs) we are going to, by the time this podcast is launched, cross my fingers, we are going to do a swipe left, left collection. Um. We're going to do it online on fabulize.com, fabulizemag.com, and we are going to have some trinkets and some merchandise based off of your comic available this week. So let's talk about some of the stuff we're going to have. We're going to have some pins. We're going to have some um, greeting cards. Um, We're also going to have... what you call those things? Where you can you, you can prop your phone up, like the little circle. Oh, the things. poppers. The yeah, poppers. the poppers. Okay. Yeah. So and and you're also gonna the proceeds are also gonna go to the charity of your choice, which is the Trevor Project. Uh, they've done lots of good work over time, and they help young trans, young, young trans people, and young queer people. Um, being able to find themselves and getting them to resources that they need. Um, you should support them. They are one of the more viable ones in the community. Support them. And support yes. your local uh, your local queer centers, if you have them, in larger cities. Yes, and also tell everybody where they can read your webcomic at. Uh, so I am found on Webtoons um, under the, the app you download, um, and that's the one that gets the update first, and that one um, is an app you can download on iOS or on um, the other one. <laughs> the other one? <laughs> <laughs> the other one, right? <laughs> um, and also, if you don't want to download an app, you can also um, – you can also follow me on Facebook at um, www.facebook.com uh, backslash uh, swipe left, um, or swipe left, please, um, and follow the comic there. Or you can just search swipe left, swipe left on uh, on Facebook, and you'll you'll see the art. And follow you there. The comic gets posted there a couple hours afterwards. But if you care about getting it first, um, that's where you get it. And if you want to see more behind the scenes stuff and stuff going on, you can join the Patreon. Um, you know patreon.com backslash swipe left as well Um, all those spaces are where you can get all the comics i'm working on putting it in more places but right now those three platforms you'll find cool 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 everybody follow tommy and follow swipe left it's super super cute i love the colors i love like the little messages on the characters my favorite one is 
Um, chill. Just chill. That one's nice. Uh, my personal favorite one's the the bang one. Um, oh yeah, and Bang. Oh, speaking of the Bang, well, um, there's also going to be a bag available for Bang, so I hope you like it. Yeah, no, I love. It. I'm glad you picked that one. That one is by far the one that had the most fun drawing, and um, the yeah. one I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to print this out and make stickers of it or something. Um, but no, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot to Erica and Fabulous Magazine for uh, supporting trans artists, and you should support trans artists not only. This week, everybody, but every day of the week, find your find trans person doing week, great work. Especially every day of the week, especially Black History, support Black trans business owners, the whole nine. Yeah, yeah. Creators, everything. So thank you for spending some time with me this evening. I appreciate it. And I am so happy that we're launching the store. And I hope everyone likes it. In this episode, there will be a link to the shop <clears throat> and see a Patreon. So we are going to see everybody after the episode and see how they like the stuff. And we hope everything is cool. Yeah, and before we go, I just wanted to throw one more surprise in there for people who listen to the the web, listen to this, and then uh, decide they like it. If you, um, within the rest of the week from Wednesday to Friday, if you sign up for the, the Patreon, you'll get an exclusive comic that nobody else will be able to get and will only be up for a limited time for the rest of the month. Um, it'll be a backstory of Senna's early transition. Um, I've been working on it for the last couple of weeks, so I was looking for a reason to, to promote that. I was going to do the whole arc, but for those people who donate anywhere to $1 to $5 and join the Patreon, you will get an exclusive behind-the-scenes uh, comic about uh, tra- about Senna and her early transition. Woo! That is so cool. So y'all have yeah. to sure y'all, y'all hurry up and go to her, to her Patreon because that's where all the the lit the litigation is. The lit litigation. Litigation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me, Erica. <laughs> no problem. So tell everybody bye. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Be kind to each other. All right. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace.